Hello, welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Jay. Hello. Today's topic, Star Trek Picard, season one, the eighth season in the Star Trek franchise. Picard begins 20 years after Star Trek Nemesis, which was released back in 2002, and sees a retired Picard deeply affected by the death of Data in the film, as well as the destruction of the planet Romulus in the Star Trek film from 2009, which was the JJ movie, which was the start of the Kelvin timeline. Yeah, which it's... I, uh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I play Star Trek Online, which also takes that into account. And it does, it is a really rich... Everyone seems to be taking that as canon. Like, J.J. Abrams, the destruction of Romulus is why they jump back in time and create a new timeline. But the destruction of Romulus is stuck as canon. And that's the Star Trek we enter into, and the massive change to the universe we face it's so strange to me that they've kept that as canon i love it so they've basically they've just had the cake and eaten it they've continued with the prime timeline but they've had those three movies with chris pine as kirk where it's off in its own little bubble yeah and you know with uh leonard nimoy deceased now that also takes care of Spock because he went back in time as well. He's he's missing, presumed dead, and it's a loose thread they don't have to address because the movie's already addressed it. So we're both Star Trek fans then. You mentioned playing online. I don't do that, but movies, all the TV series, I've always been a big Star Trek fan. And Next Generation is where it all started for me. I did Next Gen... And then it was the Kirk era movies. And then it just spiraled from there. I recently went back and revisited um, the DS9 pilot. Still holds up. That was really good. So I'm looking at watching more Trek and just having Picard back on TV is something I never thought I would ever see. And after finishing that first season, I just had to go and see more. So I picked up Generations, First Contact on Blu-ray, and I'm getting back into the next-gen era. What was Star Trek for you? What got you into Star Trek? It was also Next Generation. That was what was on TV when I was um, in primary school, old enough to be paying attention to, hey, what's this thing? But it's the sort of thing I caught the odd episode of. I didn't watch religiously, but it's still my touchstone of when I think of Star Trek, I think of next gen. Um, the one I watched the most growing up was Voyager because I, they did the prime time pilot on TV. It allowed me to get in really easily. And I watched that until the season one finished and somewhere in season two, they moved the time slot and I lost it. Um, but I've gone back and rewatched everything. Um, I've watched all of Star Trek, starting with the original series from the 60s. I've done ne- all of Next Gen. Then I did Voyager. Then I went back and sort of watched DS9. And I watched Enterprise. I've watched all of Discovery, all of the shorts. And, of course, Star Trek Picard, all the films. I've read novels. I've done the online video game. I have done all of it. Wow. 
<laughs> I mean, I knew you as a Star Trek fan, but I, I didn't realise to quite this extent. I mean, we've done an episode on Discovery season one and two, and even then, I didn't get how big of a Star Trek fan you are. Wow. DS9 yeah. was the Star Trek show that I remember watching primetime weekly. And then, of course, we moved on to Voyager, and that's the one that I didn't always enjoy. Yeah, with with Voyager, um, Voyager came around. Uh, we had Next Gen, and then in season five, or towards the end of season five, into season six of Next Gen, they launched DS Nine. Then they ran at the same time for two seasons, and then when Next Gen finished, the next season they launched Voyager, which was season three or four of ds9 i think it was season three because they launched from ds9 but by the time they launched that they had been doing star trek for a decade full like without break and they were really into the swing of it they had changed it up a little bit with ds9 but with voyager it was the they had continued with ds9's idea of doing a serialized or a a the more modern TV format of here's a story we're telling continuously. You kind of, it's a little episodic, but they're moving somewhere. They're moving to an end point and little bits that they drop each episode, make it more fulfilling, which was until enterprise that they really got really involved in that in Star Trek because Star Trek's always been episodic until Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Picard, I find is the, the least episodic Star Trek series I've ever seen. <laughs> you brought us back to Picard, and I'm going to thank you for that, Jay. And I think we need to stay here now because I could just spend the rest of the night just talking Star Trek in general and the many other Star Trek series. But let's stay on Picard. The series was first rumoured in June 2018 when Alex Kurtzman began his expansion. And this is the work he was doing around Star Trek Discovery, CBS All Access, and he was working on building Star Trek back up on TV. Because you mentioned all those years, whether it was DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, that we had all this new Trek and then so much time passed and we had none. And then we got Discovery. So Kurtzman was really working hard to build something up. He'd gone to Patrick Stewart about this project and he turned him down quite a few times. I mean, he'd not played the character since nemesis so he really needed Kurtzman to present him with a reason why he would come back to this character all these years later unfortunately for us he did convince him yeah absolutely um and uh we do know they have signed up for three seasons right off the bat which is great because they know they don't have to rush. They've got three full seasons. They're not going to end it in a weird point that is never going to get resolved because they know what they've got to go with. And I found that confidence in the season uh, seems to have paid off. I mean, I, I, we both love Discovery season one and two, which I found they've gone from strength to strength. But this is this is dealing with everyone's, like all, a lot of current fans, main version that they're the head canon of trek it's next gen you're, you're picard they can't be more star trek than that we will get to the finale of course we will i still don't know how i feel about it 
the character of Picard had a dark cloud over him throughout this entire season. We knew that he had bad health, but you've said it already. Like we knew going into this, they were going to do a season two. They were going to do a season three. So I didn't fully feel that, do you know what I mean? The, that there were going to be any real consequences. I had a feeling that he was going to be okay. I had one worry that Picard was going to die. And then we'd get like the, um, you know, the situation we had with the young Tom Hardy in Nemesis. And I thought we were going to get a young Picard in these other seasons, season two and season three. Of course, that never came to pass, but I did worry that Patrick Stewart was going to leave and be replaced. But the yeah, fact and that, that was... knew we were going to get more, I never really felt like when he was, you know, he was in pain and like, and it's, you know, his, his health was deteriorating. We knew there were going to be more Picard. I mean, this is the first time we've had a Trek show where the character's name is in the title. Yeah, absolutely. He needs um... to be around. Yeah, it's it's his show, like the 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 character's show. So, like I said, there was a lot of online speculation as well that they're gonna somehow find a way to maybe consciousness transfer Picard into a different body and then have another actor take over in a like Doctor Who esque. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Who you know, he's already played him. He's it's an easy enough shift to make. Um, and but there it does it did leave that. Um, that feeling like it was the the character in some fashion was immort like invincible, knowing there were three seasons pulled <laughs> off the bat. Um, which the the uh, the thing that I found since we're talking about him anyway with the whole season is I'm like, oh wow, um, man, Patrick Stewart looks frail. I'm like, I was starting to get concerned because he's playing an old man very well, and I thought it must just be because he's actually old. He's so old. That's how frail he is. Then I started seeing interviews with him and he was jovial and quick and like fluid in the way he moved. And there was no, no, uh, no detrimental um, physical signs of any kind. I'm like, that's just how good an actor he is. I am with you 100%. I did think that when I was watching it and yeah, and you're seeing him in interviews and, and, you know, you can perk yourself up for interviews, but then again, you can perk yourself up when you're going to be in front of the camera. I remember years ago seeing Stan Lee at an event, and he was, he was backstage, or they were getting ready for him to come out. He'd been signing for, like, however many hours, and he just looked so tired. And then as soon as he walked onto the stage, he was just full of energy. But you're right, though. Like, with, with Patrick Stewart, yeah, I think this is just him giving a solid performance. He plays an old man very convincingly. Yeah. And uh, in the interviews I saw, it turns out he has a friend who's, who's elderly and suffering with mobility problems. And he just copied him. He studied ah. him a lot. And he just, those small little mannerisms here and there, he just, that's what I'm going to do. That little, like, dotering and that little thing. That's, that's what I need. I need that specifically. Because think about it as well. He's younger here, even in Picard, than what we saw him in with Logan when he was playing Xavier. Yeah, absolutely. He was a lot more frail in that. Yeah, he, he plays old very well. But it's good to see that it's a performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think probably the, the second 
build character is probably Isa Briones, who plays, well, she plays a number of characters. She plays Soji, she plays Daj, and she plays Sutra. All of which, spoilers, are artificial people, like Data. You just made a good point there. First off, did I give the spoiler warning? I thought that I had, but maybe I didn't. In case I didn't, this is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. We've probably spoiled some things already. Maybe I did. I'll have to go back and listen to the edit. But you're right. Yeah, she's playing multiple characters. Yeah, uh, which I thought she did a really great job as well. She, each character did have a different personality, a different, in the way they, she, they moved, um, an urgency, and she's phenomenal. I, I have, don't recall seeing her anything beforehand, before watching the show. And sure enough, looking at her IMDb page, I've not watched any of these things. It's only a handful of things. Uh, mostly, I think, as a younger actress. But yeah, she's, she does a phenomenal job. Oh, she's really fantastic. Great. I, I couldn't pick her out of anything else that I've seen. But she's, yeah, she is really good in this. And her character, like whichever version of the, you know, again, she plays multiple. But if we're looking, um, when we're first introduced to her, she's the mysterious young woman, Daj, who is in need of Picard's help. And that's what sets off this whole series because when we first find Picard, he's retired. He's on the Picard Chateau wine yard. He's retired. He's not doing much of anything anymore. And in Generations, we find that he sort of received that because his older brother and his entire family died in a fire. So he's the last living Picard. So it's his estate now. Yeah, it was a... It was a good way to start the show. We're seeing Picard in a very, very different light. He's got his dog, number one, which was a great touch. I did read, apparently the dog was going to play a more integral part whenever he was at his home, but they couldn't get the dog to do the things they needed it to do. So therefore, a lot of the dog's scenes were either cut or rewritten. But just having the dog there and being referred to as number one, I thought was genius. Absolutely. Um, and he's living with two Romulans on the vineyard. Uh, Zaban, played by Jamie McShane, and Laris, played by Orla Brady. Um, I actually read the prequel novel to Picard, which explains the whole Romulan rescue bef- that he was in a- doing over five years before his retirement. All predating the show by 14 years. And I thought, oh, this, is, this book's going to be great. I love those two characters. How did he end up with these two Romulans living with him? Who are they? The book never touches on it. Oh. They, they <laughs> bridge that in the series. I'm like, that must be a season two thing. I was it's on the edge really... of a seat there. I think, you know, he's yeah. got some information here that I'm not familiar with. You know what? Saying that, I, I knew as little as possible purposely going into this show i'd seen a couple of the trailers but i i wanted to know as little as possible and then so as i'm watching the show and the show was happening it was such a thrill 
just being along for the ride because I knew there was information out there that could catch you up or fill in the gaps. But I just enjoyed watching this week to week and have the story unfold. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's one of the few times in Trek. Well, this end is, yeah, even with discovery being set in like a, a, a prequel with uh, having to do certain things to end up meshing with the already established timeline, I had knowledge that would fill gaps. So I didn't need to worry about this or that. Whereas this is the first time I've watched Trek in quite a while where I'm like, I've, this could go anywhere. They're not hemmed in by uh, events that happen after this or have directly preceded this. So, or is running at the same time. This is great. I get to watch the show and not actually know where it's heading. Between this and Discovery, I'm absolutely loving what they're doing with Star Trek right now. And some hardcore long-term or long-time fans aren't happy saying, you know, whether it's the bad language or it's a darker take or it's as if these shows have forgotten what Gene Roddenberry intended for Star Trek to be. But I'm enjoying it. I am along for the ride. I'm the same, and I understand. I mean, they're talking, you know, Star Trek's always been about hope primarily, uh, especially in the future. But we're sure we're, we start off the show, episode one, with a Picard who spent 14 years disgusted at what the Federation he believed in so strongly have decayed. They, they, they turned their backs on someone. They swore that they would help, which is the Romulans. They didn't do what they. The, what the Federation said and help without strings attached. And he's, he, it's broken. He's been waiting to die. He's been having no, no hope in his life for a very long time, which it, it tempers the whole show as the show itself starts, like take gets off earth and starts moving around. They're moving to the fringes of what was the, the neutral zone of the Federation Romulan border and it's in disarray. There isn't anyone really policing it because Romulus is a shell of what it was. And there's lawlessness there that the Federation's presence isn't known. You're not on a Federation vessel that familiar, comfortable, authoritative, hopeful skin that we've experienced Star Trek through to this point isn't there for once. And it's really interesting. But I like the fact that it is still there within the Federation. I mean, there's, there's cracks there, but we're looking at being, we're so far removed from that now. Even if you look at a show like DS9, there's money, there's gambling. You know, we've got to see a wider universe. What we're getting from Picard now, it feels fresh and it does feel something more in line with Firefly. And I'm okay with that. Oh, absolutely. I will uh, 100% take some more Western in space any, any time. And, you know, we're getting someone like the character of Raffi, who is constantly smoking something seemingly illicit. I don't think it's, it's not a simple cigarette. And she's dealing with some, some true, you know, some PTSD and some other like mental issues that she's picked up. That, you know, there wasn't a magic bullet for those types of mental problems in the future. And the show's addressing that. And even with her character, the hint at some 
uh, well, they hint at a same-sex relationship, which is something we've not really had. I mean, I could be reading too much into it when she puts the hand on the other woman's hand, and it's the um, the Doctor Agnes. Yeah, Agnes Girati, played by Alison Pill. That's the one, um, and, she, and she she's really good. But Raffi, yeah, I really like her as a character, and I like that she refer. Is it? How? It's been a couple of weeks since I've finished up the season. Is it? JL, like what does she call yeah. Picard? Yeah, JL. I yeah, like and she that. does it because it's a familiarity with him because his name's too long, Jean Luc Picard, or just shorting it to Jean Luc. That is his name. It's not Jean or Luc. It's Jean Luc. Even that, she's like, nah, nah, nah. And in the book, you find that she, uh, he hired her for two reasons. One, she was intelligent and qualified for the role he needed her as his second on his new number one, so to speak, for the Romulan relocation. But also he he wanted someone who would call him out on his bullshit. Yeah, and she and continues her. to be that role for him. She's brilliant. Like she, she really is. But it's good seeing, because if you look back to Next Gen, even though Picard did have a good relationship with his crew, and that was always the foundation of, of that show, like him and, and the friendship and respect, but it was so, always professional. And with yeah. Rafi, it's a lot more relaxed. So I like that through the characters that Picard is interacting with in this show, we're seeing a different take on this character that, I mean, how many seasons of next gen was it seven and then yeah. four movies and this yeah, and- Picard, although it still feels like it's the same person, we're seeing so many different sides to it. Yeah, and you could tell even the final episode of the ongoing Next Gen, um, All Good Things, it, he sat, sits down at the poker table with the other senior officers and they're, they're now friends as well as colleagues. You know, it, it, he's, he's relaxed up to that point and she seems to be a new character that has stepped immediately into that more familiar area for, for Picard. And I should, you know, Michelle Hurd, who's the actress, phenomenal job. Um, she, every time she's on screen, I, everything she was doing, I found like compelling. I, I was never like, oh, can we move on past this person's storyline? I'm always like, oh, what's she, what's she tracking down? What do you think to the character Rios? I really like it. I mean, he is definitely suffering from PTSD. Uh, yeah. Played by Santiago Cabrera. What a name. I had, yeah. <laughs> I'd actually just watched him I'd, on Netflix. I'd watched Salvation, which he's the main actor on. Uh, it was two seasons. And so seeing him on this, a very different role. Um, <laughs> it's very different, multiple roles. Because yes, I was going to say. He's got very different roles in this. Like when we first he introduced him, he's like, he's a roguish type. We found that, you know, he's got a past and he'd followed a captain before and he got burned and... And now he's, you know, he's very, you know, he's keeps himself to himself. But you find out that different versions of him, like, are manning the ship. Yeah, they're his, like, uh, holographic crew. And it's amazing and a genius touch. And I'm not, I don't remember seeing that from Star Trek before. No. Um, usually if they do something like that, someone's in character... Like it's it's the character moving into character for a reason, like I'm going undercover or I'm on the holodeck. It's never been 
like almost fractured pieces of a personality of a character playing out as their own characters. It's really interesting. I think Rios as a character is interesting by himself, but then when it starts, you start seeing the different holograms. Yeah. Like it really like heightened that character for me. Yeah. And all of them are so unique. Uh, you have the, he's even irritated by some of them, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Like, like he's haunted himself. Um, there's a line as well. Like, Oh, I, you know, they, when I got the ship, it scanned my mind for the EMH and I copied him. It wasn't intentional. And he's, and, and Rafi's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what he says. But he always had the option to delete back to default and he didn't, he chose not to. It's good company. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You can't bullshit yourself. <laughs> uh, this brings us to the foils for the show. Uh, the main one being Narek, played by Harry Treadway, who for the first two episodes, I was staring at his face like, I know I've seen this actor somewhere before. And then finally it struck me right between the eyes. I'm like, he played Dr. Frankenstein on uh, Penny Dreadful. Ah, I didn't stick with that show. And I think I made a mistake by not sticking with it. But okay, so that's it. he's done something big before this then. Yeah, and he he's phenomenal. He's, I mean, the good thing about Romulans being the fact that they're like an offshoot of uh, Vulcans is they're like they're like the opposite, where Vulcans suppress their emotion and their passion. Romulans sort of embraced it, and we've gotten more from the Romulans on this show than I think we've had in any series, including Next Gen, which did so much lore building on them in general. But the the him using seduction and uh, friendship to... His whole job is finding the artificial beings, homeworld, so they can kill him off. His sister, Nerissa, played by Peyton List, uh, she initially tried with Soji and failed on Earth. Sorry, on Daj on Earth and failed. So he's with Soji and he's doing a better job because he's taking his time and getting into her head and getting her to trust him and just starting to peel back the layers. And he's really good. He's got very big emotive eyes. You know, you believe the emotion he's portraying. Like even by the end of the show, you're like, I think he actually genuinely cares for her, but he's still driven by his purpose. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting one, isn't he? Because, I mean, I did, maybe it's the beard, but he looks different to any other Romulan I've ever seen. So there's just something about, I think because he's trying to seduce her, but even that as a tactic isn't very Star Trek, is it? It feels very different. But it's Yeah, working. and... He doesn't have a Romulan hairstyle. No, he's dressing. That's a good point. Yes, yeah, he's dressing in like a jacket and stuff rather than the the typical garb that we're used to seeing. Um, and it all works to make him more interesting. Where you're like, oh, he's not stuffy like the rest of them. So you're immediately intrigued of like, oh, I'll, let's see where this goes. You know what though? A friend of mine did point out, and she had a legitimate question: What happened to him at the end of the season? And I honestly cannot tell you. What happened? He's alive. To him? I knew he was he alive, but did him. he? Right, but did he run away? I, 
I don't recall seeing him on the bridge of the La Serena. The he wasn't that he wasn't with the good guys. So he's, no. he's gone away elsewhere, but he, we know that he's out there, and I'm glad that he's out there because, as you say, a really interesting character. Yeah, because his sister, they had this weird thing of, I don't like how close they are. No, You're seeing it, it got through, creepy, didn't it? It got very communication. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, and Paint List played it really well. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal job of like, is she just, because she's older than he is, she's more authoritative and she, she's, break, she's inside his personal space to get under his skin because they're siblings? Or... Is there something more? Which we do finally get by episode eight as the reveal comes. In fact, it's the opening of the episode. You find out why the the Romulan group, who's a splinter out of Tau Shiar, have this massive problem with artificial beings. And it's this the the reckoning, the the psychic image that women have received of artificial life wiping out all sentient life in the universe and so they don't they're they're um paranoid about it they don't even have ai they don't have any anything like that in any of the systems and she's a zealot she went through it and didn't go insane but i'm like is that why she's so weird because it's like he's taking too long because she's so paranoid or is she creepy like Jamie Lannister and Cersei? <laughs> I think it's the latter. I think that's what they were going for. And it works on Game of Thrones, I guess. <laughs> and and they tried to have I mean, it. You mentioned the machines going bad or the fear that machines would go bad. This season, the opening scene, we've got Brent Spiner as data. Yeah, reprising his role looks great. Incredible. He stepped right back into it. Yeah. Incredible. Um, like, loved it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as you said, Picard's still haunted by the fact that Data sacrificed himself for him in Nemesis. Um, and then, you know, the reason he's so determined to save Soji is because she looks exactly like a painting by Data, which he called Daughter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And sure enough, during the course of the series, he comes onto a planet where there's Will Riker. And one of the things he notes with Soji is like, she's an android. I recognize yep. that head tilt anywhere. Yes. Yes. So good. <laughs> So yeah. good. I mean, listen, as a whole, there's so much to enjoy in the first season of Picard. We're just adding next-gen actors and characters to this just makes a really good show even better. And yeah, we've got William T. Riker, a pizza oven, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And he, he, he knows Jean-Luc so well that he just cuts through all the stuff without him having to say anything. He's like, you said cloaking tech, that means Romulans. Yes. You're outside, you don't want the help. And you get, he, there he is, married with his wife, Deanna Troy. And they're dealing with a very heavy thing themselves, the death of a child. 
that they're haunted by. This this whole season is so layered. And, you know, I enjoy the next-gen movies. I do. And after watching this season and with having the ball cube in this, next... uh, First Contacts especially, I want to go back out and rewatch. I do enjoy those movies, the big, explosive spectacles. What I've always loved about Star Trek on TV is the time that they spend on characters. And we're getting so much, the limited time really we spend on the planet with Riker and Troy, we get so much added backstory to those characters the years since we've seen them last. And And they've got the daughter. We're getting so much character. Yeah, and both actors, Jonathan Frakes and Marina Soda, step right back into it like they never it's incredible. left. Incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> He's so good. And Jonathan Frakes, of course, known very much for his directing. And he directed uh, episode four and five. Oh, um, I did too. Two phenomenal episodes. Um, because for the first the first few episodes, uh, episode one, two, and three, were all directed by Hanel Culpepper to establish the show. Then Jonathan Frakes did two back-to-back, and then the rest of the episodes were directed by other people um, who would do one and then come back or do two. Uh, and they tried to keep them doing like a, a whole piece themselves. So if they're, um, like one was doing seven of nine story they did those two episodes which really featured heavily seven of nine uh and then another director would do the stuff with narek and what he was up to in the following uh soji and that sort of stuff and that kind of consistent storytelling behind the camera i think really helped the season i didn't know that but hearing you say that that does make sense and i like that as well so will riker I, I felt as though it was enough. You know, civilian clothing, making pieces for Picard and his family. I thought that was enough. But when we got to see him in that finale, in a new Starfleet uniform, captain of a ship, commanding authority, wow. Phenomenal. Yeah, and I've I've just completed a rewatch of all of Next Generation as well, so as I was doing that whilst Picard was running. When like, did you have see- time to do that? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. There was a lot of skipping of episodes. I knew that I, I wasn't particularly fond of, but yeah, you know, seeing from season one to season, well, the, to the movies, the evolution of his character and then seeing him in this show, it's like, Oh, it's, it's, tipped off so well and him and marina sirtis for years have been saying they'd love to do a series of those two married on the ship he took command of after nemesis Ah. and it just never eventuated you know what though Riker needs a beard always thought yeah he does needs a beard to come back all three years later he's got his beard was it like the opening of insurrection and troy shaves off his beard oh no 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 and I can't remember, yeah. it's been so long, I can't remember if he had his beard or not in Nemesis. I'm leaning towards no, but I'm glad. No, he had a, it's it's definitely his, uh, his go. <laughs> Insurrection was a mistake. You know, you yeah. mentioned his directing, like Frakes directed the best two next-gen movies, Generations and First Contact. Easily the best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's he's such a trusted hand, and he does a lot of directing work. He's done... 
so many shows that people wouldn't even know. Uh, he did multiple episodes of Discovery season one and two. Um, he did a lot of episodes of um, the show Leverage, which I watched quite a lot of. Um, and he's he's one of those uh, old hands. He's done. He did a bunch of episodes of Castle with Nathan Fillion. In fact, he's done some of uh, the Rookie with Nathan Fillion as well. Oh, okay. Like he's yeah, uh, their shows that I don't watch, but I know of. But he's he's done movies outside of Star Trek. I remember being excited for this um, Nickelodeon movie that he directed, Clock Stoppers, about kids that they either find or they create a watch so they can move through time. He directed the live action Thunderbirds movie. Remember that one? Yes, unfortunately, not his fault. That was a. Uh... That was. I don't think that would ever work. Hey, listen, um, the two examples I just gave of his movies, they, they weren't big hits. So I think that's why I went back to direct TV. But I'm glad that he's still directing TV because for the, the work he's putting into Picard and, of course, seeing him in front of the camera as well. You mentioned Seven of Nine. Jerry Ryan, she's in this, and she is fantastic. And it's like she's not aged a day. Like she looks phenomenal for her age. Yeah, she looks. She looks like she looked just a different hairstyle. She looks like seven of nine. Yeah, it's. I, I'm. I'm still blown away by it. I'm like, holy crap! How? How's that possible? Uh, and she, we get a lot of um of character work for her. Like at the end of Voyager. From the start of her introduction of Voyager to the end, she's very much, she's a lot like Data in the terms of uh, she's, you're seeing like the, the, the show or the crew from like a neutral perspective, a lot like what the C3PO and R2D2 do for Star Wars. And you're, they're almost like the, the lens we're seeing the rest of the characters through. But in this show, she's a completely like, normal human character of I've got baggage, I have emotions, and I act out probably against my better judgment, but I don't care and I'm doing it. And it's it's so great. She does such a phenomenal job. Oh yeah, like she is absolutely amazing. And I always find it interesting with this show that you know it is a continuation of the next generation but also the wider star trek universe and the fact that they brought in a character from one of the other spin-off shows i really like that and she's obviously a character that makes sense to feature with the connection to the borg which is something i always wanted to see i'm like she's ex-borg and picard as a very very uh like well-known history with the Borg as Locutus. And we finally get to see them meet and have this immediate rapport because of their, their shared background, even though they had never really crossed paths before. And it's so satisfying. It's a good point. If you'd only watched Picard, you would believe that those characters have had interactions on screen before. Yeah, both yeah, of and them really pulled that off. You know, I mentioned rewatching DS9. Like, I completely forgot that Picard, as Locutus, killed Cisco's wife. That is insane. So when I'm yeah. rewatching that pilot now, the intensity between Avery Brooks as Cisco and Picard 
is incredible. Yeah, and he's not even angry at Picard. He's that's who he's directing the anger at, but he's angry at the Borg who Picard represents for him. Um, yeah, which is was... a huge, a huge thing in the in the middle part of the season as well. It's the artifact, the captured Borg cube that the Romulans have that Soji's on. All of that stuff with the other XBs, and Picard goes there and confronts. Borg. He's on a Borg cube, which is the last place he wants to be. And who who helps him through it? Who lets him see the light of all of this? The character Hugh from I Borg. This played played by the same actor Jonathan Del Arco. And how incredible is it? Thirty years later, and here they are again. It's yeah, it's so well done. And hit the the scenes with him on the Borg cube, and initially with Soji and then with Picard, and then when everything goes to hell and Seven of Nine turns up on there to interact with someone who we've not touched on yet, Elnor, the, the Vashti, the Romulan who speaks like open, every, every action, every emotion is open and it's honest and upfront instead of all the secrecy that Romulans are genuinely affiliated with. And I'm like, oh, those are some, like, I, got, I got chills when Seven of Nine hooks into the ball cube to take over. Oh, it Literal took cube. me back to First Contact. That's what's... I was I'm really looking forward to be watching that movie. It's been such a, while, a long time. But uh, yeah, just anything with the Borg. Just wanting to go back and watch more Star Trek content that features the Borg. I've always found them very interesting and creepy. Yeah, and they're the, they're the perfect enemy because as you lose people they gain them and it's the and it's the, the the unstoppable they adapt to everything you do they consume and they work they don't just kill you they take away all of your like self identity and by doing so they have all the knowledge you have that they can turn against everyone else you know i'm like oh such a terrifying concept rendered on screen such a great idea so we've talked the new characters, returning characters. Something that I've always found really interesting with Star Trek is the costumes. Like the, the design, like when they did the JJ movies, well, I know he did the first one, but starting the, the Kelvin timeline, they went back and did a modernized version of what we got with Kirk. But then if you look at the Kirk movies, they've got that burgundy, more formal looking costume. And then we've got- Yeah, very military. Yeah, and then we get to next gen, and they've got it's like lycra, isn't it? It's like skin tight. They moved away from that. They had the color, so it was across the chest, and the color is on the shoulders. We got to what was it? First contact, and that's when they got the navy blue or gray padding on the shoulders, and the color to signal the the position or the status was the turtleneck underneath. Yeah, but we've um, always had so many different costumes, and then. In this, we get new costumes again. Yeah, they're, they're updated uh, again, the, the formals where it's almost all black and just across the shoulders, again, is the color to signal uh, rank and area, whether it's uh, science, engineering, or tactical or command, as it's also known. And they're great. They look official. They have pleasing lines, nothing too distracting. 
but they don't look like, oh, there's a onesie I just took off the rack. It looks look tailored. Good. Yeah, for me, it was seeing Riker on the ship in the uniform. Yes, I like it. But my favorite, in case you're wondering, my favorite Star Trek uniform is the one that we got in First Contact that we then yeah, got same. in DS9 as well. I just love that design where it's like, it was like, it's like a gray, isn't it? Like a gray yeah. or like a neutral color. It's like, it's like, uh, like quilted, like, uh, to break up the, the solid. And it looks, again, it looks like something you'd expect someone in space where it looks functional. It doesn't look, it looks, you can immediately tell who they are, but it doesn't look military in an intimidating way in a, but in a reassuring clean way. I mean, we even see Picard wearing the classic like, next-gen uniform earlier on when he's first having that dream and he sees Data. like He's dressed in his Starfleet uniform, which was fantastic because for the most part, he's not going to be wearing that. But there's times where you will see him wearing that, which I did really, really enjoy. Yeah, and it's I'm, I'm so used to it. Like I spent, I've spent so many years watching those episodes with those costumes. It's um, funny, isn't it? it? It's funny with with Patrick Stewart in in the role of Picard. I remember before, years before there was talks of doing an X Men movie. People were saying that Patrick Stewart would be perfect for Xavier, and of course he was. And he played Xavier for a number of years, but now all these years later, he's gone back to Picard. And you don't see Xavier; you just see Picard again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and all, all the design on on Star Trek's always so well um, put together. You have the costumes of Starfleet. You see the costumes of whoever it is they're facing. Whether it's the the makeup effects on things like the Borg or the other aliens they come across, it's the Make as the costumes and the people around him who they're not officials around him on the on the crew of the La Serena, they're kind of in some like I guess what would be casual wear in the future, and it looks I I could see someone wearing a jacket like that on the street now, especially Seven of Nine. It's basically an olive t-shirt, jeans, and a jacket. I'm like functional, timeless. It just works, doesn't it? I've, we talked about it on our episode we did on Firefly where Jane especially looked as though he'd been shopping at Topman, you know, or yeah. Maya here in Australia. Like he looked like he just went to a fashion store and he was wearing something modern. But what we're getting here, it does. It um it works. I mean we can talk fashion more if you like or we can move on to like the tone show, the special effects. Yeah and the effects here are I just like Discovery. They've continued with that film quality level of special effects, which you again, I'm always surprised these days when I see this sort of level of finish on a TV series, which I probably shouldn't because it's becoming fairly commonplace on prestige it format it's, shows. It's almost a new norm, isn't it? It's, like the, it's what TV looks like now. But tonally, if you've seen Discovery, we're getting more of that here, which I think is a good thing. And yeah, special effects. It, it, it is like watching a movie. Yeah, the, 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 the lighting, the, the camera work, the interesting cuts, the, the way they set up um, one scene to go to the next. And you, all, you always know from how it's shot 
where the stories move to. Like, oh, we move to that side. It's not just the characters and the, the location, but it's even the framing of the, the shots. And that all helps to, to, to reiterate the tone where Picard's tone is, where Soji's tone is, where the Romulan's tone is, and where anyone else they come along with. And modern Star Trek, it seems to be, which is what it's always supposed to be doing. It's telling stories set in a future sci-fi universe about the human condition and things that we're facing now. But because we're in a more gray area now in terms of uh, our culture, these are the stories that they have to reflect on in terms of same-sex couples and um, broken homes and um, foreign policy and how we interact with other cultures and how it's not always smooth. In fact, it can sometimes rarely be smooth. And that's what we get in this show. And it's, it's why Picard, over the course of the season, he's like, he's like a laser focused on like just the right thing of, no, I'm helping this girl because it's the right thing to do. I'm helping. I helped the Romulans because it was the right thing to do. I'm helping artificial life because it's the right thing to do. There is no gray area there. If we, if all we, if everyone just did what was the right thing to do, we'd all be much better off. And that, in the end, I still feel like that is the tone that they initially, they eventually strike again. Star Trek, they take the long way. It is, it does feel, for the most part, like ten chapters of a film cut into a TV show. But especially the ending, it didn't go for the big action finale like we had for the final two episodes of Discovery season two. It was a very Star Trek Next Gen finish without a firefight. It was diplomacy that won the day. Okay, we're there then. The finish, Picard is unwell. We've known this to the point where he's going to die. Brent Spiner in the show is not just playing Data, he's also playing the son of Data's creator, uh, Dr. Song. Yep. And what they do is they move Picard's consciousness into a machine. Essentially, an artificial body. And they make a point of saying that this machine will age at the same rate that you would have aged. So you're not going to be immortal, but you will be a machine. I guess the whole, the the whole season, what it was really about is that what is real, what is alive and machines or not like they've got, you know, dreams, emotions, and essentially they are alive. But then we're left with Picard no longer human, now a machine. I don't know, Jay. I don't know how I feel. Love the season, but moving forward, Picard's going to be a machine. They do make a point to say that he has no uh, none of the augmentation, so none of the speed or the physical strength. So he won't be able to suddenly like punch through walls or lift heavy objects or anything <laughs> like that. Good. He doesn't have the yeah. He it's his still his brain power. He doesn't. He can't suddenly calculate things at the speed of which data used to but yeah he is a machine it is it does raise new things is he susceptible to radiation or viruses like he was previously or does he have the same immunity data would i guess that's something we'll have to find out come season two 
it's just not where I thought this show was going to go. It reminds me of, in the show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I can't remember when, but at some point, Coulson gets one of his hands cut off. Yeah. And they replace it with a robot hand, and he just wears a glove. So often, yeah. you wouldn't even, you just forget. Like you wouldn't really know. So it just seems like something that they've added something that you can't really see. But again, I think it's to make a point of what the whole season has really been about. What what is yeah, which, life? What is alive? Yeah, yeah. And artificial life, whilst different, is still life. It's just I don't know. Like it's madness. That Picard, the character we've known across seven seasons and four movies, is now a machine. It changes things. Yeah. It does change things. But I guess we need to wait for those other seasons to find out in what way maybe it's going to change things. And we just want to give a quick shout out to the composer. It's Jeff Russo, who did Discovery, who works on this. And they've also credited uh, Alexander Courage, who did the original series score. And Jerry's Goldsmith, they've credited him as the motion picture, but that's also the theme that the next generation used. Yeah, and the music on the show is great. I mean, it's the the theme that introduces the show works. When they work up to the fanfare on the finale, it, it, it when the Federation fleet turns up, it works. You know, it's it's there to to anchor emotionally the scene and to elevate, never distract. And the show accomplishes that, and the music of the show accomplishes that perfectly throughout the whole season. I never felt like ugh. That was a bit weird. It's so fitting. Whenever they use the Goldsmith theme, it just works perfectly. Like whenever, whenever this show, whether it's bringing characters back or with the music, reminds me of Next Generation, just makes me happy. It's what I wanted from the show, but at the same time for it to be its own thing, and they just deliver. Yeah, all I can hope for season two is we get a few more returning characters. Like what happened to Geordie? What happened to Wolf? I want to know. Well, you know what? It's funny. It's funny you said that because as recent as a couple of days ago, Levar Burton has confirmed he will be reprising his role as Geordie LaForge, season two of Picard. Oh, thank God. He's I'm happening. so happy. It's happening. We already know that Whoopi Goldberg's coming back as Guinan for season two. Yeah, who again was having just done a big rewatch of Next Gen, all all the episodes she shows up and has meaningful interactions. So phenomenal, such a great character. Oh, brilliant character. So I'm I'm glad that she's um yeah, she's coming back and Jordy's gonna be back and I'm happy with just a small handful of characters each season. They don't need to give us all of them. Like I think it was the right approach with season one. You had to give us Riker. And they, and they did it, like, exceeding my expectations. I thought, again, him in the pizza oven, that was going to be it. But no, we've got him on a starship. Amazing. So just give us a couple each season. Of course, we've got Data and Troy. But maybe, so who else would you want? Let's say they gave us three. So we've got Geordie, Guinan. Who would be your third? I have to be Wolf. Yeah, me too. Uh, from the book. <laughs> Like he's great through all of uh, next gen. He's great through when he moves over to uh, DS9. And in the prequel book, he's supposed to be captain of the Enterprise now. He's captain the of the flagship what? of the Federation. Yep. 
What? <laughs> really? Yeah. So, what is this, Jay? Yeah. Where, where, where do I find this? What's the prequel book? What's it called? It's uh, Star Trek. I think Countdown to Picard. I need to. Uh, I need to read this. Yeah, it's a novel. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. All the characterization in Picard and all the other stuff, like Geordi was instrumental in uh, in helping out with the Romulan relocation and stuff. Um, I just, wow. Okay. I need to see all of these elements play out because when it comes to Star Trek, unlike Star Wars, who since the, the Disney takeover have been very much like we threw out all that old um, novel stuff that used to be canon, but now everything that gets produced, whether it's novel, comic book, TV or film is canon. Star Trek has always been loose with that. They don't usually have one transfer all the way to the other the books always have to reflect everything else, but the TV and films never have to reflect the books. This one I want them to do. And I want an answer. Follow it up, please. Okay, good. I will, um, I will check out, what is it? Countdown to Picard. I will have to yeah. read that. Okay. So if we're going to rate season one of Picard, what would you rate it out of five? I'm coming in out of four. Um, I haven't done a second watch yet, which I will get around to in the future. Um, I was just watching it once a week as it dropped on Amazon Prime. Um, and though I love the the being able to talk about each episode as it drops, like at work with colleagues and like you know talk and spending a week with the show to talk about what happened, this more than almost any, uh, this more than any other Star Trek show really felt like something that you'd have traditionally dropped all in one hit and consume at all at once as a single seat meal. And then I think it will work much better for those who watch it in a wedge, but four out of five. Right. Patrick Stewart's on point. Every, like the interactions with everyone, the seeing what happened with Riker and, uh, and Deanna Troy, which I've, I loved. The fact they didn't go for a spectacle ending, which so many people expected them to do, even though they set it up like that was exactly what we're going to get. I'm like, beautiful, awesome. And it just makes me more excited, especially now that we have the crew set for season two with Patrick Stewart um, and uh, Michelle Hurd and Santiago Cabrera and Alison Pillars, Girardi and everyone else. I'm like, I want to see this crew start to get into sync and find spots for themselves like the original next gen crew. I, I, it's, it's set up so much for me and I can't wait to see where they take the story now. You know, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm just going to give it a five. I don't care. I'm going to give it five out of five. I loved every minute of it. And, and I really enjoyed looking forward to that new episode of Trek every week. Like here we've got it on Fridays and, yeah, just loved it. And just all the things that we talked about, just having this, these characters come back and be introduced to new characters. And yeah, just absolutely loved it. I mean, I, I got Prime just for Picard. And it was worth it. And I'm keeping Prime for season two and season three. It's, um, it's a fantastic show. And, and again, it, it's something that I never thought we'd get outside of comic books, novels, like you mentioned, the Countdown to Picard comic. The fact that we've got 
a live action series where these actors have come back and reprised their roles. I just thought the whole thing was thrilling in the vein of Discovery. It was giving us a different spin on Trek. You know, I'm a little bit older now. Star Trek's darker now. And, and I really like that. Yeah, for me, it's, yeah. it's a five out of five. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know uh, Mike from work at Comic Zone would also probably give it a five out of five. He was, he was like, I love this show. Patrick Stewart is like, he never left the role. Everyone who returns, like they never left the role and the show people can say what they want in terms of tone, but it needs to be more mature than it was in the nineties because it like everywhere we've all aged more. If you want something hopeful, like it does give you those elements, but it's, it's got the complexity that I crave now as an older viewer and it delivers. It absolutely delivers. It really, really does. So that's it for our episode all about Star Trek Picard. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jay, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.